Hey, fifth graders, I'm here with Fish in a Tree, chapter nine. This is actually one of my favorite chapters. Let's get started. Bag full of nothing. Today, we're each supposed to bring in something that represents us and, tells the and tell the class about it. I thought of a few things I could bring, like a can full of dirt or a bag full of nothing. Mr. Daniels asks for volunteers to go first. Shock of the century when Shay raises her hand. She gets up there with a picture of her horse, Diamond. She goes on and on about how she loves him and goes riding several times a week, but how it's a lot of work to take care of him. She shows us her riding helmet and fancy riding jacket too. I guess there really isn't anything that she doesn't have. Jessica brings a picture of Shay and talks about what good friends they are, which I think is funny since we're supposed to talk about ourselves. Oliver bounces to the front of the room. His feet, his feet are never on the floor at the same time. He takes out a light bulb. I am the giver of light. Really? Mr. Daniels asks. Well, my dad is. He sells lamps. And when I grow up, I'm going to be a salesman too. I'm going to sell hangers. Hangers? Mr. Daniels asks. Yeah, because I was thinking that it should be something that everyone has because you'd want to sell stuff that most people need. Because if you sold stuff that nobody wanted, then you wouldn't sell anything, right? And everybody needs hangers. Mr. Daniel smiles and puts his hand on Oliver's shoulder. Oliver, you are one clever boy, you know that? I haven't been in this school long, that long, but I'm going to guess that Oliver hasn't heard that said very much. He falls into his chair, which tips back, but he grabs his desk, writes himself, and cheers for his own victory. Albert gets up next. As always, he wears the shirt with flint on it and his bruises. He reaches into a brown paper lunch bag and pulls out a jar of clear liquid. He clears his throat. This is a mixture of two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen molecules. Will it explode? yells Oliver. Albert does not answer. Instead, he unscrews the metal lid and drinks whatever it is. I'm silently freaked out, but Oliver goes nuts. He drank it. Did you see that? He drank the molecules. Gross. It is merely water, Albert reports. While Mr. Daniel speaks to Albert, Shay whispers to Jessica. Water? Really? That's all he's got? Shay has gotten even better at being mean. Ever since Mr. Daniels kept her in for recess for making fun of Oliver, she saves her comments for when Mr. Daniels is busy or talking to someone else. This water was taken from a giant underground lake that goes on for miles and miles, Albert announces. It's the same water that the dinosaurs walked through a hundred million years ago and the cavemen drank. It's the same water that the polar bears swam in just last year and medieval knights guzzled after battle. Oliver and most of the other boys stand, trying to get a better look. That's cool, Albert. Where'd you get it? Jessica and Shay smile and lean forward to look at Max. Shay calls out, Yeah, Albert, where'd you get it? I got it from my kitchen faucet. Huh? The same water has been here and been reused since the earth began. It is important to me because as a scientist and historian, I know that we are but a blip on the earth's timeline, a grain of sand on an entire beach of time. Kids are starting to groan. Here goes the professor again, Max said. Yeah, such a show off, Jessica says. Now knock that off, Mr. Daniel said. I think Albert's idea is fascinating. How Earth has recycled its water over and over. Extraordinary, Albert. Next, he calls on Keisha. She's where, she carries a small box and holds it, 
holds it like whatever is inside will break easily. When she takes out a cupcake, the boys argue about who will get to eat it. This is a cupcake that I made. It isn't from a box mix. It's homemade. And why is it important to you, Mr. Daniels asks. I like to bake. I told my mom I want to start a business when I get older. And she said there's no time like the present. So this is the first one I will show to anyone outside my family. My God, Shay whispers. She acts like she's the first person to have ever made a cupcake. It's not even decorated or anything. Shay, please keep your comments constructive, Mr. Daniel says. Yes, it is plain on the outside, Keisha says, but it's the inside that matters. Keisha takes a knife out of her box and cuts the cupcake in half and shows us the inside. As you can see, it says, yum, on the inside. How did you do that, Suki asks, and I'm surprised to hear her talk. She hardly ever says anything. I've been experimenting with making letters out of different kinds of dough. I stand the letters up in the cupcake batter and carefully cover, the, cover it with more batter. Do you lick the spoon when you're done, Oliver asks. I like to lick the spoon, but my mom says too much sugar isn't good for me, so she doesn't bake much because... Oliver, Mr. Daniel says, pulling on his own ear. Oliver stops right away. Then Mr. Daniels looks at the cupcake. Wow, Keisha, that is pretty impressive. I'm going to call my baking business Hidden Messages, the batter way to send a note. That's fantastic, Keisha, Mr. Daniel says. The possibilities are infinite, infinite. Albert raises his hand and Mr. Daniels points to him. The possibilities are not, in fact, infinite, as she would eventually run out of appropriate letter combina combinations and the number of letters to be used in each cake would be limited as well. Also, you imply that the possibilities are all positive when it is probable that the possibilities should be equal in positive and negative outcomes. Actually, you're correct, Albert, Mr. Daniel says, but I am an optimist. Optimist, what can I say? So you agree that the possibilities aren't endless? Well, I agree from a mathematical standpoint, Albert, but not from a human one. I believe that the thing we put numbers on are not necessarily the things that count the most. You can't measure the stuff that makes us human, like Keisha's creativity or how hard she'll work. Mr. Daniel shrugs. Just my opinion. Well, it seems that the part that can be measured is most important, Albert says, because that's what can be proven. Well, my f fine young fellow, I think we'll have to agree to disagree, Mr. Daniels says, walking by Albert and patting his shoulder. Then, Mr. Daniels calls on Suki. She pulls out tiny paper bags and begins to pass them to everyone. I bring two foods to share. One is Hone Sunbei, my grandfather's favorite. Well, uh, other is wasabi peas. They are maybe spicy. Food in America tastes... She turns to Mr. Daniels. What is the correct word? All of a sudden, Max jumps up and runs to the sink, followed by Keisha and Jessica. Too hot, Max yells. The three push each other a bit, trying to scoop water into their mouths. Ah, yes, Suki continues. Bland. Bland is the correct word. Food here is bland. She seems to think that the three kids at the sink are both funny and odd. I think how hard it would be to move to a different country and have to learn another language. I can't even handle one. Mr. Daniels laughs, holding the little bumpy bright green pea between his fingers. They don't look that hot. Most people in the class are too chicken to eat it now, pushing it away. Suki looks a little hurt. Albert puts one in his mouth. He eats it, but looks like he's in pain. 
His eyes even water. He says with a gasp, I like it, Suki. Thank you. That Albert is so nice. Oliver pops in his in his mouth, but has no reaction. Oliver, Mr. Daniels asks, you don't think it's hot? Nah, I'm the only one in my family that can finish a fireball without taking it out of my mouth. My mother says I must have no taste buds at all. And my dad says, Mr. Daniels pulls on his earlobe again and says, thanks, Oliver. Oliver's mouth is open, ready to keep going. But he says, thanks, Mr. Daniels. Do they have some sort of signal or something? Suki continues. These foods mean so much to me because I share them with my grandfather. Many things about Japan I miss, but grandfather I most miss. Also, I miss wood carving with him. He makes me, he make me wooden blocks and I carve gift for him and send. So that's why she has those blocks. I eat these foods because they remind me of Japan and my grandfather. I feel sad for her. What are the crackers made of? Asked Albert. They are made of shrimp and fish bones. It isn't just Oliver who goes wild over that one. Most everyone says yuck and Suki looks up at Mr. Daniels who turns to the class. Now, now, quiet down. Shrimp and fish bones, Shay asks. We prefer lobster in our family. Albert raises his hand. I would just like to point out that lobster is a very expensive meal now, but in the olden days, it was served only to peasants and slaves who revolted and demanded that they only be served lobster twice a week. And I think fish bones would have some excellent nutritional properties. Suki smiles for a second before she scurries back to her seat. Mr. Daniels gives Albert a solid nod. Next is my turn. What I ended up bringing in means something to me, but now I'm not sure the class would be so nice about it. I decide to play it safe and say I forgot. I can tell Mr. Daniels is disappointed. Well then, do you have a pet you can tell us about? No, my mom's allergic. This reminds me of my dad crawling around the living room on all fours, pretending to be the puppy that I always begged for. Oliver starts to bark like a dog. Too much of that, Oliver, and we'll have to give you dog biscuits. You better be careful. Mr. Daniel squints at me. Are you sure there's nothing you can show us? Because I have a feeling there's something. I slide my hand down into my pocket and clutch my 1943 steel penny, the object I brought in for sharing today. He watches my hand, and I realize I've given myself away. So I stand, and I take out the penny. My dad is in the army, and he's, been de he's deployed right now. On the day my dad left, he gave me Travis and me these big pennies. I look up at Mr. Daniels. That's my big brother. He nods. In 1943, pennies looked weird because they were silver in color like quarters. They were made of steel instead of copper because the government needed copper to make ammunition during World War II. Then in 1944, pennies went back to the usual red copper color. Anyway, I think it's cool. I do too, Mr. Daniel says, and I think it's even more cool that you told us about it. As I walk back to my seat, I think of how when Dad left, he, le he said that when we look at the steel pennies, we need to remember that we are unique too. And also that things will go back to normal for us, that he'll be home before we know it. I really miss him. Mr. Daniels gives Oliver a thumbs up, and I think how cool it is that they have the ear-pulling signal. That way he doesn't always have to tell Oliver that he's doing something wrong in front of everyone. I know what that feels like, and I'm happy that Mr. Daniels cares so much. Most teachers seem to like their students to be all the same, perfect and quiet. 
Mr. Daniels actually seems to like that we're different. All right, scholars, we're going to stop there. We're only going to do one chapter today because it was a long one. On your seesaw assignment today, you're going to think about if you were in Mr. Daniels' class and you got to do the bring one item that represents something about yourself, I want you to think about what you would bring. On the seesaw assignment, you can draw that item. You can take an actual picture of that item. And then I also want you to explain why you chose that item. All right. See you on Monday for the next Read Aloud. Have a great weekend, scholars.